0: Hi, I'm Sophie Liu and I was addicted to fentanyl at 16. I'm gonna start with where I was born. I was born in Manhattan, New York, and I was raised by my mom, my dad, and my brother. He's about three years older than me. Um, Yeah, I moved to, I was living in Hoboken when I was like first born and then My mom had a job in the city. She was a publisher. And we moved to Long Island shortly after that. And during that time period, I would think I was three, I had like, after going to treatment later, I started getting memories of being touched by like some weird man, but like I felt like I knew him, but I couldn't put a face on it. I just saw like little flashes of walking up a spiral staircase um, and sitting on a bed, like little things like that. I didn't really remember it. And I think that's because like my child brain like protected me from it. I moved to Brooklyn when I was about five and my parents really gave me, my mom started to move up in her company and my dad was a Division three basketball coach at college. I don't remember what college he was at at the time, but um, he was always traveling, always moving. And I didn't really notice anything wrong with them. Um, but when I was five, they sat us down at the coffee table and me and my brother were like, oh shit, like this is about to be some shit. This is about to be something bad. And we got told that they were splitting up and I was really young. I didn't really know what was going on, but I have like a faint memory of me, my mom, my dad, like laying down in a bed watching Mama Mia. And that was like the last hurrah, the last like time that he stayed in that house. And then he moved on, moved out, and he went to an apartment a few blocks away in Brooklyn. And we lived in a tiny town, um, a tiny neighborhood, Bay Ridge. And I kind of like to think of myself as like the Duchess of Bay Ridge. I just think I'm hot shit sometimes. (laughs) It's good. Good confidence. I want to be Margot Robbie. That's like my goal in life. She is so hot. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So my parents, um, they split up and my dad was like really going through it. He started using alcohol as a coping mechanism. He um i don't think he wanted it to happen it was more of my mom saying like it was 14 years of marriage too and she was just um done like it just wasn't working anymore it wasn't 50 50 anymore it was like 80 20 at that point um and about five months later there was a neighbor across the street a neighbor, and he used to walk his dog right on by my front stoop when me and my mom were like outside painting our toenails or something. And I only had like five months of just like my mom being a single mom taking care of us, and she struggled, like she struggled. Um, But she also was kind of the main caretaker for us in the past few years, so... Um, I think she just struggled with not having a companion, because also my mom is a very codependent person on me and my brother, on whatever kind of relationship she's in. Um, so, five months later, we were sitting on that stoop, painting our toenails, and the, do- the man with the dog from across the street came over, and he was talking to my mom, he was like trying to raise her up, and he did pretty well. Um, And he kind of, like, worked his way into a relationship with my mom. And he moved in a few months later. This was all within a year. Mm -hmm. Like, my mom found a new man. And she let him move in with his dog. And I was happy. Like, I was happy for her. Like, I never really saw anything wrong with that man until, like, recently when I've been going to therapy, like, for years. And, um it just wasn't a healthy relationship for anyone that man was not i don't want to say a bad person but um he wasn't ready to raise children and he inserted himself into a family that he wasn't capable of taking care of or he made dinner a lot and my mom was like he takes care of the house he does this but also she paid for him to go to college or grad school and he was a professor for a few years but he didn't really make that much money my mom was still the breadwinner Mm -hmm. in the house
1: and you were about five at this time you said
0: five six okay so you were young yeah i was pretty young and (laughs) yeah i was pretty young (laughs) Feel like an old person. Sometimes I say shit. I'm like, I said to my friend the other day. Nowadays, I was like, I know. Makes you feel old. Yeah. What the hell? (laughs) I feel like I'm an old grumpy woman. Sometimes I wake up with back pain. I'm like,
1: yeah, "Ah." it happens.
0: Some things. Just to give you some examples of like what he was like, he didn't lock the doors at night in my house, and I lived in Brooklyn. Like Bay Ridge was a pretty safe neighborhood, but also every neighborhood. Every town has, like, safe parts and dangerous parts, whatever. And they still get broken into the nice big houses. Like, those are the ones that get broken into. People are just turning doorknobs, seeing, like, which one opens. So I knew that. I was very, like, aware of what was going on. And um, just culturally, like, with the people around me, I went to school with a lot of different people. And I learned at a very young age that like everyone's equal, everyone should be treated the same. And that's something that my mom always drilled into my head. And it's useful because people are becoming more and more, um, what's the word? Uh, Like people are coming more and more aware of different genders, uh, sexual orientation. I feel like the younger generation is really Making an impact on the world. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe not. Just an opinion. Um fuck, I got lost again. You're okay. My brain is like fried from all the fucking drugs. <laughs> <laughs> You're okay. <laughs> <laughs> i say that to like oh my god i was talking to a a new man recently and i said some shit like that and he was like what i was like oh (laughs) i didn't tell you anything about that you don't know me that's not oh my god that's a conversation for later (laughs) yeah maybe like four dates down the line um oh back to the just show y'all what kind of person he was he was um He didn't lock the doors, and he said that if someone wanted to break in, they would just bust out the window. Like, Mm -hmm. there would be no point in locking the door. If someone actually wanted to break in, they would... Try it some other way. And I was like, hmm, yeah, that that actually makes sense. Looking back at it, no, it doesn't fucking
1: make sense. You should still take the precaution. What
0: are you talking about? So I was very paranoid at like seven, this young age. And so I would sneak downstairs and lock the door. What kind of kid has to sneak downstairs and lock the door? Yeah. What type of weird shit is that?
1: Did your mom have any thoughts about it? Or she just like wouldn't really say much?
0: She slowly got overpowered by him and i don't want to be extra but like suffocated yeah and she still doesn't she's still with him okay and they live in uh they live in thailand now really (laughs) yeah um something happened with her job and um I don't know whose idea it was, but... That's where they are. ...moved on out, and my thoughts on it are that he has just, like, isolated her from everyone she knows and loves. She's had a lot of friends that have had to stop talking to her because they were so offended by what he said to them, like, when they were hanging out or doing something, or he just always, like, broke up relationships, Mm -hmm. and... Um, I was afraid for a long time that he would do that to me and my mom. Like, that's still a fear of mine. No, for real. He grounded me in third grade and, like, isolated me in my room for, like, three days straight. And he had my mom, like, bringing me food um, through my door. Like, just,
1: like. So there were red flags about him. The
0: red flags. Yeah. He just, I, he, we weren't his children and he would get excited that people would, Say, oh, is that your daughter? Like at the grocery store, and he called me my his daughter. And then he just he would uh, towards I think I was like fourteen. I'm skipping around here, but I think it was fourteen. And he um he we were at the dinner table, and he just it, my brother had a friend over. I had a friend over. My mom was there. We're all just hanging out. He cooked a nice dinner. We're enjoying it. He said something about my dad. And I was like, let's not talk about him. Like, there was always this feud between them two. And it's like the classic case of, like, the woman getting a new man and the man hates the other man. Like, it's ridiculous. Like, we all know the fucking story. Like, And I was just like, can you stop talking about him? Like, this is pointless. It's been going on for, like, seven years. Like, grow up, both of you. And he was like, can you shut the fuck up? I was like... Excuse me. And I like went off. I was like, I'm not dealing with this man. And it was kind of like things like that when I started getting older and I was a teenager where I started to realize maybe this is not um, the man that I should look up to, the man that I should look at as my father, because he was like a second dad to me. My dad was struggling.
1: And he was he came in at a pretty young age for you, too. Yeah,
0: I have a lot of mannerisms that are the same as him. And it freaks me out because... It's just nurture over nature. Is that what it is? Nature. over Yeah, nature?
1: <laughs> something like that.
0: <laughs> I get what you're Sounds trying to right. say.
1: Yeah, I know what I
0: mean. <laughs> um. Yeah. I guess it was just growing up around him. I have like I have the same mentality. Like I think at that age, I started using food as a coping skill, and I started like hiding my body, and I didn't want anyone to see me like I didn't really want attention from anybody um at school I was always wearing like basketball shorts and like big baggy t-shirts I was terrified of anyone seeing my body and then I would go And I was playing basketball at the time like I was in chorus at my school like always in the school musicals I was like a musical nerd like weirdo and I still am a weirdo I take pride in that it's good
1: it's good to be weird (laughs)
0: um yeah I was doing a lot of shit but I didn't want um to be seen yeah I would go on stage and I like became this different person Mm -hmm. and um I like things like that where I could just turn on a game face and be someone else someone else Yeah. yeah take a break from being me sometimes and yeah, I worked for a little while. Um, then I started about middle school, 14. I, I got introduced to this girl. And um, I think it was younger, maybe 12, 13. Anyway, I got introduced to, to this girl. And she was uh, interesting. She liked the nightlife. Like she always went out. She always introduced me to people. And from there, I kind of had like this sense of popularity in my school. And I kind of got excited. I was like, this girl like was just my end to this social group that I've never been a part of. Like I've always been a part of the, and she was in the school musicals and she was like in the dance club, whatever. like we were kind of doing the same things and she had, all of these friends that I didn't have and I wanted to have. Um, And this like lifestyle that I wanted to have, I started, I remember the first thing I did was like hit her jewel. Then I started hitting her wax pen, which is like weed, weed pen. Um, Then we started actually smoking weed and drinking a lot. Um, I remember she was my first friend that ever got so fucked up where she was like throwing up all over my brother's bed passed out all the time at parties um she was reckless and I kind of picked up on that behavior and I followed it that's just what I was like this this is the life like this shit is cool that same girl I was friends we were we called each other best friends but there wasn't any way in hell we were best friends i was kind of like her pet and i'd follow her around and i did the thing she didn't want to do like i was her like mini assistant or some shit and i just like ate the shit i just took it like i didn't have to but again she was my in to that community um and I think that was the first time I ever had a relationship where I needed something from somebody, so I stayed. Yeah. Like, I felt like I couldn't leave that person. And she, she, oh, my God, she, like, started rumors about me at school. She would, like, make names because, like, oh, my God, man hands was the thing. And I was so self-conscious of my hands for the next, I like, Five years, like even in high school, I was like terrified to show my hands. I like always had sweaters like down to my fingertips. I was like, I just can't like I can't have this kind of rumor spread again.
1: And (sighs) that was all while you guys were friends. Friends. So, yeah, supposedly friends. Got it. Supposedly friends. She still hangs out with all the same people we did in
0: high school and she still does the same shit, probably getting blacked out drunk like everywhere she goes. Um, college life. I'm in the kind of age where people are going to college. Um, uh, shit, let me hurry up. In Flo- I, during COVID, I don't remember what year was that? 2019, 2020, 2020. I moved to Florida. Um, my mom just decided to, uh, up and move for some reasons and um I was in Tampa and I didn't know anybody like (laughs) (laughs) like my stepdad was from Tampa so it was his idea to like kind of go back to his old town and um
1: how old were you at this point
0: I was 15. I think it was right after my 15th birthday. Okay.
1: Did your bro- was your brother still living with you guys?
0: He was at college okay. at that point and oh my god, I remember my uh right before that my mom tried to get custody of me um because somehow um she was still paying my dad some amount. I don't even know what the hell was going on. They told me, like, way too much information about my dad, like, their legal issues. I was like, I don't need to know about this. Like, how am I supposed to take this information in? Mm-hmm. Like, what am I supposed to do with this? You want me to talk to my dad? You want me to tell him, like, stop, like, call the lawyer right now. Let's cut the shit. I don't know. Um, yeah, so in Florida, I really didn't have – much of anybody to talk to. Um, This was before school started back up again and I was still in high school. And I was already failing my classes at my last school before I moved, before COVID and everything was online. But when everything was online, I just really like, I don't know, I was just getting high every day in my room, like not doing shit, stoned, smoking weed and that became like my everyday ritual. The first thing I did when I moved to Tampa was like find a plug. I was so worried about moving because I didn't have a fucking plug. And like in hindsight, it just sounds ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was my like worst yeah. fear. Not like leaving my dad in Brooklyn. It was like, I need to have weed or some kind of substance. Um, I started, When school started back up again, I started taking, um, the liquor from my parents' cabinet and I put it in water bottles and put it in my purse, take it to school. So you would drink at school? Oh yeah. I was starting to drink at school, like first thing in the morning, like nine o'clock in the morning. And I got to school late all the fucking time. Not even nine o'clock. It was probably like 12 o'clock because I was just getting up and going to school. And, um that became pretty regular and I met a few friends at that school I ended up dropping out I went to GED school for like a week or two I met some friends and I was like hey let's kick it like I just came here for the people I'm about a party with them um, so I just dropped out of everything. I wasn't
1: doing shit with my life. That was my plan. Just party. Did your parents have anything to say about it? Or they kind of just they were like, didn't do your know. thing?
0: They didn't know. I wasn't going to GED classes okay. for a few months.
1: So like, they thought you were probably going to school, but you were just doing your own thing yeah. type of deal. Okay.
0: Yep. I was so deceitful. <laughs> so <laughs> around this time, I started hanging out. With this, uh, I got introduced to this girl. Her name—let eh, me not say her name. This blue-haired girl, and she was a trip. She was um, heavily addicted to her prescription of Xanax. And yes, you could have a prescription and still be addicted. Um, but she would—her like her and her mom were always in a battle. Like someone ran out of their script, so they took from the other and then the other took from the other and then they had to go buy like street pills and they were just in a whole mess. And that that woman, she came out with a gun one time on her front lawn. I was like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> I just came to get my shit. <laughs> she was uh, uh, crazy. Um, <laughs> I started driving um, her around because she was always so high. So we would take her car and we would just drive it around fucking smoke blunts like get drunk and drive like dumb stuff um i remember she kept doing this thing and i was like can you stop doing this shit she she would drive like 45 minutes out of tampa to go get Xanax with, at, they were not real Xanax they were fentanyl um mostly every uh xanax that you bought on the street was fentanyl i'd say pretty much every i'd say every pill um maybe not ecstasy but ecstasy is or molly is now laced with meth like you're not doing the pure shit um unless you are like kudos to you you're finding good shit don't die yeah, so she would drive 45 minutes out of her way to go pick up this uh, Xanax and um then she would take it and I'd be like, "Bro, like now I have to drive. Like I don't want to drive 45 minutes." Like And this was the blue-haired girl's sign- mom, right? No, no, no. This was her. This is blue hair. Blue Got hair. It. Okay. Miss Blue. And <laughs> I was just I just little things like that pissed me off. Like when Someone is incapable of doing something, quite literally. Like, just, I knew she was not gonna be able to drive Mm -hmm. um, because she would pass out on the wheel. Um, And she had previously done that, like, two weeks prior, she got arrested for, I think
1: it was a DUI or something Mm -hmm. under the influence. Um, But you weren't taking the Xanax or the pills at the time. No, I wasn't.
0: I wasn't. um, I was smart enough at that time to stay away from it. And then at this time, I was hanging out with like 35-year-olds. I met this woman. Um, She was, at the time, I thought she was like my best friend, like my second mom. I was not talking to my parents at this time. Like, I was completely ignoring them. I come home at like 4 o'clock in the morning, and then I go back out at like... 12 and not come home for a few days and like restart the pattern it was just all over the place yeah i was hanging out with this lady um thought she was like mama bear we had the same birthday we were like it's just meant to be Mm -hmm. (laughs) like two drug addicts just insane together and how did you meet her she was one of my friend's plugs okay and she had three kids she has three kids and she um sometimes i'd watch them for drugs in return like weed i got my weed from her um psychedelics i got from her and she would just drive me around like pick me up like do whatever we wanted to do like she was great I thought she was great at the time i was like i love this woman she's amazing she like gives me drugs free drugs like nothing else i could ask for at that time that's all i wanted and i was hanging out with this guy who was also a drug dealer um uh, blue hair girl knew him and Told me to stay away from him because he was dangerous. He was getting arrested a lot at the time. He was just not really a good person. But mm-hmm. I was like, I see through him. Like, I he's just it's gonna be the love of my life. Like he's got whole, like sacks full of pills. Like this is my shit. Like always has weed. Um, and we started hooking up and, um i just go home with drugs every time. And I started doing Xanax. Um, I think the first time I did Xanax, I was with Blue Hair Girl. Um, but I was hanging out with the guy I was not supposed to hang out with. Um, Mr. I like to shoot at stop signs, like that type of man, mm-hmm. like dumbass. And I took my first Xanax, it was a press pill. So who knows, probably fentanyl. Um, But I got addicted instantly. I like 10 minutes after I took it, maybe 20, 30, I don't know, around there. I was also drinking wine. We were like, wine night with the girlies and let's take some fucking press pills too while we're at it. And so, um, she gave me that. I She was so fucked up. Uh, blue hair girl. She was so fucked up. I was like, I can't take this anymore. I can't babysit like this 22, 23 year old girl. I'm not doing it. I was like, give me one of them shits. Like, I need to be on your level almost. Like, you know, when you're with your drunk ass mm-hmm. friend and you're like, oh shit, maybe I should get on her level. Yeah. Like you almost like it's just a thought that comes up
1: because um, it seems easier to like be there than it is to like
0: to handle it yes, or like
1: to be like the mom.
0: Yeah. So I took that first pill. I was instantly addicted. We were on the beach. I was just feeling myself. I couldn't... Actually, I wasn't feeling myself. I couldn't feel shit. I was numb as hell. And I thought I was having a great time. I was, like, taking um, ass pics on the beach. Like, I was really uh, out there. Mm-hmm. I was far gone at that point. I was doing that for... um about a month and a half. And um, on my 17th birthday, I went to a rave. That was my like way of celebrating. I had I was 16. And um, I think we went a little bit before my birthday. But I was 16 before that, obviously. And I was hanging out with this girl who was 19. So she was a little bit older than me, but still like my brother's age, like kind of a weird dynamic like she knew a little bit better than me but we're still doing things like like the night we went to the rave i took two beans of molly and um i went to the i walked into the rave and i went to get a drink and i got a rum and coke um slurp that down got another rum and coke and um, we met this guy, and we went to the bathroom together. And he was like, "I have coke, and I have cat. Like, which one do y'all want?" I was like, "What the fuck? Like, what the fuck is going on?" I tried coke a few times before that, and I was like, eh, "It's not really for me. Like, it doesn't do. I'm more of a downer girl. Mm-hmm. Like, my I have bipolar too, so um, I get." Uh, waves of heavy depression, uh, like almost like I can't function. Like yeah. I can't wake up and go get coffee. And Duncan's like in Bay Ridge. It's like one block away. Um, so <laughs> he pulled out the two bags and he was like, "Which one do y'all want?" I was like, "Fuck it, I'll take them both." I was so gone, and. For the next hour. It felt like a million years. Mm -hmm. It felt like next Tuesday. And, oh, by the way, this was on a Tuesday. Like, who the fuck goes to a rave on a Tuesday? I don't know. Maybe some people, but (laughs) should it be 17-year-olds? And I remember looking at that toilet. I think uh, I was in a K-hole, maybe. I don't know. Only time I've ever done ketamine. Never again. I was staring at the toilet bowl and I thought I was going through it. Like, you know, in the tunnel where that big thing like appears in some magical movie and mm-hmm. you like walk through it and you're like in a different universe. I thought that was happening. Delusional. Delulu. A few days later. I was 17 and I was. Doing uh, fentanyl every day. I was snorting it. Um chewing it like letting it dissolve in my mouth whatever like made it go down faster and what did that make you feel like i didn't feel anything i like don't, just numbness i the thing is i don't remember most mm-hmm. of that time period like yeah. there's a whole there's a whole hell of a lot of months that i don't remember because it's kind of like um a memory loss pill um benzodiazepines but also fentanyl like i really couldn't tell you where i was half the time when i was taking it i was being crazy like i was i was on um perks fentanyl um xanax smoking weed drinking alcohol like i should have died i should have i should be dead right now i don't know how i'm still alive but i'm very thankful um there was a night where I was just going crazy in his house, like I was off all those drugs and he kicked me out. And I was walking on the curb. And that same night I was in my apartment complex at my mom's and I was in Tampa and she she told me later that I was telling her I wanted to die, I wanted to kill myself. I didn't want to live anymore i didn't know how i could be on this earth and stay alive like i was just throwing all the dramatics out there apparently she like wrote it down in her little journal she was like this is what she was saying and this is how she reacted and i i don't remember any of it um so, that same night, I went. I was in the apartment complex bathroom, and I was smoking a blunt. Like, some shit I would never do sober. Like, why are you smoking in a closed bathroom? Like, it was just weird. And I called my brother, and I remember this part faintly. I called him, and I was like, I don't know what to do. Like, I just took all my Xanax. Like, I'm so fucked up. Um i was still calling them xanax too like for the longest i was like yeah i'm just doing xanax like it's not that bad like
1: bitch you were fucking doing fentanyl like you know damn well those pills were pressed and like how did you how do you know the difference like how do you really know that
0: you can test it now but most people aren't testing that shit Mm -hmm. like um i feel like more recreational users um test their stuff uh a lot of people that go to raves and like they go out they want to test their stuff because they're maybe a little bit more responsible than i was um but you can tell if it's like powdery that it's a press pill there's a lot of ways you could tell you can also tell by um the difference in the high Mm -hmm. like xanax you might be numb but the little amount that i was taking I at first i was taking quarters and it's like a bar so it has one two three four like little lines that you can easily break off and i was taking like a quarter then i moved up to a half then i was taking a full but the high was so intense from different from the xanax that i was taking she had like a 90 day script and she would give me a few every once in a while it was very different from that high mm-hmm. like i didn't i'd take a shit ton of them to even get Anywhere close to the one that I was getting from the street pills. The high from fentanyl is just... It knocks you out a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, you might be knocked out. But also, there were so many instances where I was drinking and um, doing that, doing those pills. And I would black out completely, but not not an alcohol blackout. Like, um, I would... Go do things and say things, like text people, call people. Um, I probably sounded fucked up, but I would do, like I took an Uber two hours away to meet some guy one time. Like he got me an Uber and he had like class the next morning and he couldn't wake me up. Like I was just, he thought I was like dead. Like I was just passed out. Like I wasn't moving. I my heart was obviously, obviously still beating. And he called my mom, like on my phone. And mind you, I had no idea who this guy was. Like, he probably just added me on Snapchat or some shit. Like I, like looking back in my memories, I was like, who the fuck is, and I took pictures. I just take so many dumbass pictures, like, so I would remember in the morning. And yeah, my mom came to pick me up and she was like, Oh, shit. I'm mixing stories. I uh, was talking about the night about- night In the bathroom? Morning. Yeah. Okay. And this is another You can go back.
1: Time. Shit.
0: It's right. okay. I don't know what to do. <laughs>
1: go back to- you, Are you talking about when you were in the bathroom smoking the blunt? That part? <gasps> and when you called yeah, your brother? Yeah, but this was the night before. Okay, that's fine. You can say it. It doesn't matter. Uh, People again. will follow along. Okay. So the night before so. you were in the bathroom-
0: you're with this guy infamous apartment bathroom where i smoked the
1: blunt so you were in the you were in you're with this guy that you didn't really know he couldn't wake you up so your mom comes to get you
0: yeah he called my mom and she had no idea who the fuck he was i had no idea who the hell he was but i'm guessing he was somewhat young because he was still in high school and he had class that morning, and he called my mom to come get me, and I was so incoherent. She said she had to, like, carry me. And my mom is 5'8", and I'm 6 foot. Like, she was struggling. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I put her through, like, work. Like, I made her go do some physical labor. And I she brought me home, and I was, like, stumbling. I, like, fell into the gate. We had, like, a doggy gate for my Murphy Um and yeah it was just a mess and that was like the first time my mom had ever seen me that fucked up and i was hiding it because i was like couch surfing i was right. doing i was sleeping with random men just so i could have a place to sleep at like and i had a home like i had i had nice things like my parents gave me pretty much everything i wanted i just didn't want i i didn't want help yeah. Like I didn't, I wanted to be this independent person that I couldn't financially, emotionally be yet, like at all. So the night I got kicked out of my little sneaky link's house, um, my mo- that was the night that I was telling my mom being really dramatic about how I wanted to end my life. And I took, I called my brother in the bathroom, smoking the blunt, and I told him, like, I just took all my Xanax, Xanax and <laughs> I thought, like, I was telling him how much I loved him, like, kind of like, I'm, this is it, I'm out. And I had never, I wasn't diagnosed with bipolar, I wasn't, um, I was diagnosed with ADHD and depression and that's what i took medication for come to find out that if you're bipolar and you take depression medication it drastically fucks with your brain chemistry you're sending the wrong receptors to the wrong Mm -hmm. i don't know whatever foo-foo shit the doctor told me but all i know is that if you take like fluoxetine or prozac whatever um and you have bipolar you're kind of being misdiagnosed because um bipolar depression is in waves and you need like a mood stabilizer you don't need um depression medication that actually makes it worse somehow so i think for the three to four years i only recently started taking mood stabilizers like about a year ago and i'm so much healthier that's good yeah, it's really amazing. Like, the first time in my life I felt mentally stable and, like, I can fucking wake up in the morning and I can
1: breathe again. Well, it's hard to, that, you know, the whole process with, like, getting diagnosed with something and then finding the medicine that works for you, it's, like, it's a whole trial and error thing, too, that I know yeah. a lot of people go through and it tough For years. Yeah.
0: People are, like, my great aunt, she struggled with mental health all her life and... Um she just a few years ago like started getting the proper medication mm-hmm. that made her stable and happy. Yeah. Um damn, I can't get past this fucking night. So <laughs> um I my mom called the cops. Um after I called my brother, I went straight to um drug dealer's house. He kicked me out and I was on the curb just kind of like slumped like high on the phone, on FaceTime with somebody. Um, And my mom had called 911 on me. Uh, She called my therapist first. My therapist told her like, you should probably get a wellness check done from uh, the police, like just make sure. And they came to my apartment before I left. to go have a sneaky link that didn't actually happen and um so they were like looking for me they were like trying to track down where the hell I was for a few hours and when I was on the curb I decided to call my mom um so I called her and I was like can you come pick me up like I don't I don't really know where I'm at um I'll send you my location like I don't i didn't have any words i wasn't like gonna talk about anything because i was high as fuck she picks me up with my stepdad and he we stopped at a stop sign i i didn't know where they were taking me but i asked them a few uh like 20 minutes later when we were in the car and I was like, where are we going? They were like, uh, we're gonna take you to the ER. Like, we just wanna like see if you're okay. And I was like, the fucking hospital? Why would y'all take me to the hospital? I'm not dying. Like, there's nothing wrong with me. Y'all are bugging. And I dipped out the car, next stop sign, I bolted as fast as possible. I got like halfway- I probably looked so goofy, high as hell, just like flailing my arms. And uh, my stepdad ran after me and he tackled me to the, on someone else's front lawn. And all my all my weed fell out of my purse. Uh, I had this big ass jar that I was keeping my weed in and my pills and everything in there. And I put everything back in my purse and I kept running and he grabbed my arm and he was like, come on, let's go. And that was the first time I was like, oh fuck. Like they caught me. Mm-hmm. Like I'm I'm fucked. Like I'm about to have some consequences, but I didn't. I wasn't ready for what was coming to me. I <laughs> I walked into the hospital and I pretty much blacked out until few hours later, we finally got into a room and they were trying to assess me. And in Florida, there's a thing called Baker Act. So I think they have, I don't know what the term is, but they have it in a bunch of states. There was a doctor and it was still like, COVID was still popping.
1: Popping.
0: COVID was still popping.
1: COVID was still going on, still popular. (laughs) Yeah. And the doctor was on like
0: telehealth, telemedicine on a big ass computer that they brought in and I was looking for a phone charger for hours let me tell you my phone was dead I couldn't talk to anybody I couldn't be like come pick me up like I need to get the fuck out of here like I had no no way to escape I was freaking out and I was like do you have a phone charger I was so fucked up I asked the guy on the fucking computer for a phone charger and he was like no I'm sorry and I knew that at that moment he was like this bitch is crazy like he's Mm -hmm. gonna admit me or something and I took The last few pills i had in my purse i took my molly and my fentanyl at the same time and i bugged out i was like out of my mind um hair all messy and not um i remember i went to the bathroom and i pulled out three tampons because i hadn't been taking care of myself like i didn't even know i was on my fucking period I was like, how'd those get up there? <laughs> like, what? And it's embarrassing, but like, that's the shit that goes on. Mm-hmm. Like, I I kept myself so well put together on the outside, but I was struggling so much. Yeah, like taking care of my like eating. I lost thirty pounds. I and I'm I'm big. Like I'm tall. Like I have me. I have a booty. Like. I shouldn't have been that tiny. And I was looking in the mirror and I was kind of um I was still fucked up. I was like, "Holy shit, I'm going down. Like this is the fucking apocalypse or some shit." I was so extra, so dramatic. I couldn't I couldn't accept it. Mm-hmm. Like I wasn't I wasn't going to accept what was going on. And I was still plotting to get out of there. Um so I got back to the room after I used the bathroom. And they took my purse away, they took my phone away. Even though it was dead, I was like, you dumbass bitch, it's dead anyway. I was so rude to those ladies, the nurses. And I started fighting with them, like we got verbal. And um, I don't even remember what I said, but I was so out of my mind. I was probably cursing at them and I started fighting them. Like physically, I started throwing hands and um, they had two police officers come in and get me and I fought them both like the security, the hospital security. I fought them both and I was kicking, punching them. They couldn't they couldn't like what's it called? Detain me. Mm -hmm. Like, wait, is that when someone's being arrested? Restrain me. They couldn't restrain me. So I think they brought in someone else, and they had um, they had me strapped down with leather straps on my ankles and my wrists, and they sedated me. They booty-juiced me, like, right in my thigh. I was like, fuck, yeah. And they were, like, sticking a needle in my thigh. I was still trying to kick. My legs were, like... <laughs> like
1: How old were you?
0: I w- I, it was, like four days after my 17th okay. birthday i was like this is a great present thank you mom and dad they were struggling too my mom was standing right sitting right there she didn't want to see me she didn't want to see me struggling like that like she did i'm her baby still and i still have great relationships with my mom and my dad but she didn't want to see me like getting restrained in a hospital, mm-hmm. like especially because she didn't even know really what was going on the past few months she she thought I was going to GED classes but I was just out I think she assumed I was smoking weed and drinking a lot but she definitely didn't know about the pills Mm -hmm. and she knew about psychedelics I think but she really didn't know it was... Like the severity of it. Yes, the severity. Yeah, yeah so I got Baker Acted, um, put on psychiatric hold for... I was in the psych ward for six days and they escorted me in a van. It looked like a prison van almost. I was freaking out in there. That was like the first time I'd ever been um, in a place, like in an institution. I was never institutionalized. I think it was in the psych ward for... Six days, and I wanted to get the hell out of there, but I didn't know where I was going. I knew I wasn't going home because they broke that news to me while I was in there. I had a mental breakdown. I was like, I'm not going to rehab. Like, I don't need it. Like, I genuinely
1: thought I was fine, and I... So is that where they were taking you in the van to rehab?
0: No, they took me to the psych ward, and in the psych ward, I found out that okay, I was going to rehab. Okay, got um, I got driven by. I don't know what you call it, escorts. Like mm-hmm. these, this man and woman, they drove me. They drove me to Georgia from Florida, mm-hmm. Bumblefuck Florida. I don't know where I was. It's like in the middle of nowhere. The fences, holy shit! Like you're caged in. Mm-hmm. There's no way you're getting out of there. And I was a kid. Like I had no. I guess if you get a fifty-one-fifty to anywhere else, like they just take you in like against your will because i don't know how you can do that to kids but not adults maybe they do but um i think they do actually the first time i ever like lost my sense of freedom so when i was in georgia i caused mayhem i didn't follow the rules i was so against what we were there for i was like sniffing tylenol in the bathroom like who the fuck snorts tylenol me i'm insane once again and i started doing things that the other girls in there were doing um started self-harming like all this shit like uh giving myself stick and pokes and just learning new things learning about (laughs) new drugs um it was like any way to get that like fix yeah And the kids I met, I was in a place that was like 13 to 18. So it was all adolescence and we just, we hung out. I had like two boyfriends in that bitch, like starting relationships for no reason because I knew it wasn't gonna go anywhere after that. Oh my God, weird ass story. There was a man from that place, like two years later, we hung out. He was at my apartment. He would not leave the next day. He was like, oh, I have no way home. I was like, how the fuck are you going to get here and then tell me you have no way to get home? Mm -hmm. Figure it out. You're a grown man. Oh, never, (laughs) never again. Never with a man that I met in those places. Yeah, I bounced around from there to a sober house. I went from Georgia to Maine. I don't know why. It was... um
1: And you still weren't sober at this point because you were just like trying other things and yeah i was okay. doing
0: like whatever i could to get a little sense of gratification and then i went to this sober house and there was no in maine i didn't know anybody in maine i didn't like have any idea how to get high the best thing i could do was go to a liquor store around and i was eight seventeen. 17 mm-hmm. i was seventeen. And I couldn't, I didn't have a fake ID with me. My mom threw away three of my fake, I don't, what kind of 16, 17 year old has three fake IDs? Like of some random people. I don't know mm-hmm. how I got them. Did I steal them? I have no idea. <laughs> like, so one of the places I went to, to one of the places I went to, uh, we had to wear scrubs. Now this is like a psychiatric slash rehab Slash eating disorder clinic. Slash whatever the fuck. It was crazy. Yeah, so the pink scrubs. People were like running away. Um, We had about eight hours of therapy a day. Different groups, classes. um, And we had to earn points to gain our things back. So like jewelry. um, Body spray. Perfume. Like my aerosol deodorant like weird stuff
1: my clothes like the most basic things
0: yeah like I had to earn my clothes back like this place wanted to um it was so dehumanizing like they wanted to take everything that was unique about you away they want no no nose piercings like that was I -hmm. we we had to wear masks the entire time because it was still COVID was still popping popping COVID was still (laughs) popping and and I used to like put a staple in my nose so I could keep my the, my hole open. But well, No, no, no. Uh, <laughs> no dirty thoughts. <laughs> and oh my god, I just did some weird shit there too. And there were there were all types of people with different um, disorders. And there was this one girl who. You can pet her. <laughs>
1: you see hello Bluey. Hi. <laughs> Hi girlfriend. Our tail is so fluffy. Hi. Come will you come in? Come on.
0: Come on. Mmm. Let me see your hand tat.
1: Sorry, cat button your love, face. Um, Thank you. Yeah. I know. I noticed yours when you walked in.
0: Like I'm a tattoo apprentice now. Really? Yes. Yeah, oh, so sick. much fun. Yeah. I love like oh, I love hand tattoos. I know they're my
1: favorite. Oh, that's sorry. That's something Blue, I
0: want sp- to. That's something that I want to like have be my niche. Yeah. Like the fine mm-hmm. fine line. Fine line ones. ones. Yep. You should. It's getting really popular. Like a lot of
1: girls mm-hmm. like it on their hands yep. or like even on their <sighs> neck and stuff. Um so you did some crazy shit in there. The staple in the nose. Hole.
0: Yeah. Um they used to make us squat and cough like, uh-huh. all the time. That was also really dehumanizing. Like they make you do that when you're getting admitted into jail. Like why? Right. Like we're really not trying to sneak. I mean, maybe you could have snuck in drugs, but do we really need to like show y'all our ass crack? at 13 to 18 years mm-hmm. old. Um, and it was random people, like these random workers. Yeah. Like they were literally off the street. Like, I mean, you you didn't have to have any qualifications for that specific job, like the people who were making a squatting cough. Um, uh, after that, I bounced around from my mom's. I got kicked out because uh, I started smoking weed again and I moved to my dad's now when I went to my dad's I flew off the handle because I just got out of these treatments that I was in for six eight months Mm -hmm. like back to back and I wanted to go back to party life like that's still what I had my heart set on
1: so how long total were you in and out of the different places do you think like a month or less
0: uh, less okay. I bounced from so it's pretty quick. place to place. Okay. There was rarely any in between. There was one time in between where I um hung out with my cousin in Maine. Um I didn't have her contact info. So when I got kicked out of the sober house, I went to go stay with her. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh shit, she was a few years younger than me, but she was like, I'm going to my friend's house, like we're going to drink and get fucked up. I was like, All right we're out yeah and then i went back to another place so i wasn't sober like for very long mm-hmm. each time i wasn't i didn't want to be so you can't force someone to be sober that doesn't want to be sober it just don't work it does not work um i start i found a new plug in brooklyn because all my plugs for drugs were in florida so i quickly hit up like some dealers that had weed um, from when I was previously there and I was like who who can I buy perks from who can I buy Xanax from like let me know and I did just that like I went back on my druggy shit and I was hanging out with this one friend from high school and she had a best friend and that best friend had a boyfriend i started hanging out with them and i was like "Ooh, this is my this could be my new crew like like they they could get down like they were doing they were going to the club like doing drugs like all the same shit that i was doing and he drove us around he had like a bmw he had another nice car Uh, He had all these nice things, and he like showed it off. Like he was one of those. There was he was he was attractive, the boyfriend, and in my mind I had no like relationship with this this girlfriend at all. So in my mind I was like, I'ma steal her man. I'ma fucking steal her man. I'm that bitch. I was not a good person. I was. I believe I am a good person. I just did bad things and impulsive things and things I'm not proud of. Um, Well, I think,
1: too, when you go down a path that involves substances like that, you're going to do things that you wouldn't typically do if you were on a different path or if you were thinking clearly. You know what I mean? 100%. It's not really, like, I feel like it's not really you.
0: Yeah, it's like, uh ugh. I don't even know what the fuck my alter ego, I guess.
1: Well, it's who you are on drugs. And I don't think really anybody a great person when they're on drugs and drinking. Like, I mean, I sometimes I, mean, I have nights when I drink and I'm fine and I'm great to be around. And then there's nights I drink and I like I literally hate myself because I'm like, I don't want to be that person. Like, I don't want to be that psychopath or that asshole, you know, so it's like even alcohol can make people assholes and horrible people. So it's like it's more like that stuff than it is you. Not to put the blame on anything, but that's what I think it is. Yeah. So did you steal her man?
0: I agree. I stole that bitch. My- mm.
1: <laughs>
0: Bad decision. So I was hanging out with them for a little bit, and I kind of got a little too comfortable with them, especially him. Um, and there was one night where I think it was like 1 o'clock in the morning, i was dressed down like in a t-shirt like no makeup done and her the girlfriend's man was calling me telling me to get outside they were outside my house and i was like i'm not coming out like i'm not i don't want to do anything tonight like i'm already in my pajamas like it's good just have fun and he was like no 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 like you should come out like i'm gonna get you some stuff like i'm gonna get you some pills And I was like, all right, like, I'm about to be out. Like, uh, I got to go. So I didn't have to go. (laughs) Um, I ultimately went and I told my dad, like, I'll be back. I'm just going out to, like, meet a friend, whatever the fuck I said. And he was like, no, what are you doing? Like, share your location all this protective stuff as a father would do. And he was like, you can't go out at, like, 2 o'clock, 1 o'clock in the morning. I was like, yes, the fuck I can. Watch me. <laughs> it was very defiant. I went outside, and I got in the car. And I don't know how he, maybe I gave him my address, like, some other time when he came to pick me up. But he knew where I lived, like, pretty, um. pretty well. And I got in the car, and immediately I noticed that she was the girlfriend was drunk as fuck. Like, mm-hmm. passed out. Like, not able... Like, incoherent. Not able to speak. Um, and he was, like... He was, like, oh, like, let's just go. Let's just go to the bar. Let's just go drink. Some shit like that. Like, let's go drink. And I was, like, she can't drink. Like, clearly, mm-hmm. she, bitch is, like, fuck, slumped. Like, yeah. dead, looked dead. And... I was, like, holding her hair back, um, and she, like, opened the door, and she threw up, and I was, like, all right, like, she has to go home, like, let's just take her home, like, let's go, and I was still feeding for my drugs, I was, like, I'm not leaving without my drugs, like, he offered to buy me some pills, he's gonna buy me some pills, and, uh, we dropped her off, I walked her to her door, um, and I didn't, I didn't really know. I didn't know her last name. Like, I didn't really know anything about her. So I don't know why I was hanging out with her alone without mm-hmm. my actual friend being there. We took her home, walked her to the door. And we went, I texted um, this plug that I knew from uh, high school. Friend of a friend. Another one. And she gave me some xanax press pills (laughs) and um i think he bought like six or seven of them ish i don't know and i was already on i took my last pills that i had maybe about pill maybe i think i had one left i took it and then i walked out and i was drinking in the back of the car before we were dropping her off like she's like dead in the front, and I'm back there, like, getting wasted, like, mm-hmm. hey, <laughs> like, let's get lit, <laughs> oh, I, I'm just, I just get so mad about, mm-hmm. like, this whole situation, because there were so many things that I could have done to prevent it, but after, like, going through therapy, I know it wasn't my fault, like, I was stuck in the cycle of, like, I needed drugs to survive at that point, and mm-hmm. I
1: kept using the decisions you make are also only based around that. You're not thinking about your well-being or anyone else. Like, th- your thought isn't even yourself. Your thought is just, like you said, the drugs. And, like, I think it's not even about viewing it as an excuse. It's just, like, that's just what it was. Like, it's this, you know what I mean? Like, it just is what it is.
0: Yeah. The biggest thing I've had to... Um. Accept? Yeah. Acceptance. The biggest thing I've had to do like the hardest thing i've had to do is just accept that it literally is what it is it's not how old are you change. you're
1: 19 19 like i mean i i haven't heard the end of your of where you know up until where you are now but like you're still so young
0: i know you know what
1: i mean so it's I feel like feel
0: like a fucking grandma though. but like you
1: are so young and you have so much life ahead of you and i feel like the fact that like you already had you're fine (laughs) the fact that you already had like all of this happen
0: I'm sorry you were saying
1: (laughs) go ahead ma let's hear it I'm so ready (laughs) I was just gonna say that you you know the fact that you already have had all of this experience at such a young age like it only sets you up for so much more time of like positivity and learning from it and like I feel like it's so easy for people to say like oh you learn from your past and your mistakes and what you've done but like all that shit's very real like what you went through, the decisions you made, good or bad, like, you made them. Like, and it it sucks. And you might look back and be like, oh, I could have done this, but you didn't. Mm-hmm. So now all you can do is learn from it and move forward. But, like, I don't know. Like, when you're – I just look at it as if you're in a bad situation and you're going down a dark path, you're going to do dark things. It's yeah. that It really is that simple. Like, if you're – like, you are what you surround yourself with. If you're in a good place – gonna be a less likely chance you make shitty decisions or shitty things happen but like you can't I don't know like I just you can't beat yourself up about it
0: no I, I can't and uh, just don't do it again
1: or then I'll have to beat you up
0: <laughs> I wouldn't mind like you're so pretty
1: I'll beat you with the broom up there I do
0: <laughs> we got the goods got the goods and I took them all that night. I just kept eating. Because when you're on drugs, you sometimes you forget that you even took the dose that you took. Mm-hmm. And you're so fucked up. You're like, oh, let me take another one. Like, I'm yeah, not, you're really not taking it responsibly. It. No, no, not at all. Like, and even if you have a prescription, that sometimes that's what people yeah, do. Yeah, they, they abuse it. Eating them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We were on our way back to his apartment. He was like, we're just going to stop there. Like, Maybe get something to drink like i needed to pee like i don't know why i went back to his apartment but i did and um i kind of liked him like i i i didn't trust him like that but i knew that he was someone i wanted to get with so i was like fuck it like Mm -hmm. just go back to his apartment whatever And right before we walked in, I was walking up the steps and he said he had a friend over and I knew his brother. Um, So I like right before we walked in, I was like, yo, don't let some bad shit happen to me. And we walked in the door and I saw uh, three people sitting on the couch. I was like, what? Like three men sitting on the couch, and immediately I was like, what the hell? I was still seven I was still seventeen. And they're all older. They looked like mid-twenties. Um early mid-twenties. And we were drinking, they had Hennessy and the boyfriend, the man, he knew, the main man, he knew that he just bought me the drugs. He knew what type of shit I was on. He knew I probably shouldn't have been drinking that much. Um, or he just wanted me to drink that much. Um, I think that's exactly what he a lot of men do. They get you fucked up and they think they have a better chance of getting with you. Like even if you're like friends with them, like a lot of guys that say they're your friend like we'll just hang out with you and especially being a minor like i still can't i mean i get alcohol by myself but i have my ways Mm -hmm. but a a lot of people can't just get their own alcohol at a young age unless you have fake id or whatever um so there's a power dynamic when someone else is getting something for you that you literally can't get um So yeah, I don't trust men, don't trust men, (laughs) period, (laughs) end of story. Um, So uh, we were playing like truth or dare, and this whole night is such a blur. I didn't really start piecing things together until intensive therapy, like going through it and um, breaking down like... uh, the uh, breaking down what actually happened i didn't know what it was called um i thought i did something wrong so we're playing truth or dare and one of the dares was like drink this cup full of hennessy i was like i don't even like hennessy like i can't do this they're like anything is possible like shut the fuck up (laughs) and uh one of the guys like Open, like, grabbed my neck, like, ch- choked me, and poured it down my throat. That was the first red flag. I was like, what the fuck is going on? Like, that's not normal. But I just drank a whole glass full of Hennessy. Mm-hmm. I was fucked up. <laughs> like, red flags were just going through my head. Like, I wasn't... I was looking back. That was a red flag. At the time, it was just fuck it. Yeah. We're drinking. I didn't know what was going on. Um, yeah, I thought I was in control. I was like, I'm the woman here. Like, um, all these men want me. Like, I felt like a bad bitch and that was quickly taken away from me. Um, I remember I was laying on the floor with a pillow under my chest. Um, And I remember the main man was going to the bathroom and he told his friend to come with him. And he was like talking to him. I was like, this is sus. Even as fucked up as I was, I was like, this is sus. Um, And they came back and they put something on the TV. And next thing I remember is this Heavy man, he was maybe 6'1", uh, taller than me, and bigger than me physically. His arms, Julie, his arms were fucking massive, and his his calves looked like f- f- fucking, I don't even know. I remember him putting, his, it was very quick to like this all like, and I 100% believe that it was premeditated, mm-hmm. is that the word?
1: Mm-hmm. Plan? like double Whatever. checking yeah.
0: like you're my fucking dictionary Hurry, <laughs> <laughs> divorce. tell me if that makes sense so next thing I remember is he has I'm on my stomach with the pillow in my chest and he has his leg on top of my neck to so where I couldn't I couldn't really speak it was on my neck and my head that's what I'm saying it was so fucking big like massive calves this man and he puts his leg on my head. And I remember men coming up behind me. They took off my pants. They took off my underwear. And I was squirming. I was like, what the fuck? Like, I don't want this to happen. Hey, baby. She knows. She does. Mm-hmm. It was fun. Until it wasn't. Yeah. They were raping me. They were raping me. All three of them? All three of them. And it's disgusting to think about because in a guy's world, that's like fucking running a train on some bitch. And that's something to be proud of. And in their heads, I 100% believe that they were proud of what they did. They knew what they were doing. They took my underwear, they threw them away. They took my pants, they took my shirt. He dressed me in his sweatpants. He threw me in the shower. Um, He washed my body off. He like put soap on me. He made sure I was clean of any potential evidence that could get him in trouble. And he took me into his room. This is one of the last things I remember. He took me into his room. And uh, he put the sweat. Also, like when I was taking the shower, like the three men were in the bathroom with me, and it was this tiny bathroom. Like I just felt trapped. I was like, "There's no getting out of this." There's like, "What the fuck am I gonna be here forever?" Like, "Is is this the end?" Like, I did a lot of shit was running through my mind. He um, brought me to his room, and he took out a gun from his top drawer. And he shoved it down my throat and he said, if you tell my girlfriend or anyone about this, I will fucking kill you. Like I will find you and I will kill you. And that was the first time my life was ever threatened so blatantly. Um, I fell asleep and I woke up at about six o'clock in the morning in his bed. With him on top of me, with him inside of me, like, still, like, what the fuck's going on? And I kind of just accepted it. His, I woke up because he was choking me. Like, he was he was choking me. And he was biting on my neck, like, trying to give me hickeys. And um, it wasn't just, like, a sensual thing. Like, he wasn't, like, loving on my neck. He was biting, like bite marks um it was just an aggressive assault to begin with um and a few hours I fell back asleep I was probably still fucked up I woke up in the morning after that probably about like 8 a.m and I grabbed my stuff and I walked to the hallway he was not in the room, so I grabbed my stuff, I walked to the hallway, and I seen the guy and his three friends, um, and they were just sitting on the couch eating fucking Popeyes, like normal, casual as fuck. And I walked out, and I went home, and I copped from my plug, And I got high and I forgot about it Um, until a few days later when my dad got a call from the girlfriend saying, your daughter's on drugs. She's sleeping with my boyfriend, all this shit. I don't know. I think I might have told my friend um, that I slept over his house and she told her best friend, obviously, as any best friend would. Um, But it got misconstrued as as consensual sex um even though i thought i was gonna hook up with him anyway i i had no idea that yeah. it was gonna be like that it wasn't consensual at that point mm-hmm. um i think she was like where where were you at all night mm-hmm. i was like oh i was at that i was at his house um shes like what the fuck mm-hmm. i didn't give two thoughts about it about like consequences yet again i had no sense of uh consequences for my actions (laughs) like i just didn't give a fuck yeah so my dad got that phone call and he told me my grandma was sick and we had to go to long island and uh so i willingly went i was like okay (laughs) let's go let's go check on her i took some something before I left and I woke up I remember like being in a hotel with him and I was like why aren't we at the hospital and he was like oh we're just gonna wait till tomorrow it's too late so I woke up the next morning and I look over at my dad he's like on his computer like so calm I was like if grandma's in the hospital why the fuck is he so calm that's his mom and I he he goes I was like, are we going to the hospital? He goes, you know what a ruse is? I was like, you're fucking kidding me. Are you serious? Did you trick me into coming here? And he was like, well, not trick, but... And then I fought him on going to another facility. I was like, I'm not going back to one of these places. Like, y'all kept me in there for like three months. And I thought that was the worst. And... I met some people in there. Like I met a 14-year-old girl who had been in and out. Um, She was a foster child, and she was just in and out of these psych wards and places like this because she just didn't really have anywhere else to go. Um, They kept bouncing her around from place to place. I looked at an Uber to try to go back to Brooklyn, and the price was like, two hundred dollars i was like all right i don't have that money right now so i'm fucked i'm stuck here Mm -hmm. in long island like who who the hell and um yeah i went to the place willingly because i was like there's nothing else to do i'll just give them all the right answers i'd already been i heard all the shit that i needed to hear and that i wanted to hear and like all the DBT, CBT, all these different types of therapy that I was getting uh I took in and I was going to use that as my excuse say I'm not an addict like I don't need to go to this shit like I'm good y'all could just send me home and they had a system there you had to go through phase 1, phase 2, phase 3, all this shit and you had to do a lot of work for it we would clean the whole place sweep mop clean toilets we were we were doing the shit like they put us to work Mm -hmm. like we all had jobs in the place and um I remember I was there for seven months I did seven
1: months of cleaning wow it's a long time and in the same place this time yeah in this
0: tiny building it was such a tiny building we went
1: and it was very military like
0: like we had to stand in lines for the bathroom and they'd be like they had this little code it was like left or right and you say i need a left which is the stall and then if you say you need a right it's the sink. You just want to go wash your hands or whatever. So we'd have to stand in a line, wait for every individual two people. There was probably like 40 of us. So if you needed to pee, you had to wait till the bathroom break and Mm -hmm. you had to wait your turn in line. There was no just like free for all people are just walking around. Like, no, everyone was in the same place at the same time.
1: So when you were at this facility, did you get sober? Like, did you have any access to anything or you weren't?
0: I was completely sober for okay. 7 months. I did the shit. I played by their rules. I was like there's I at some point I was like there's no way getting out of this shit unless I get through it. Mm-hmm. Like I need to some people were in there for 14 months, 18 months, 9 months. Like I was hearing all this shit when I first got there. I was like that's not going to be me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to breeze through this. And I tried to. I did it as fast as possible. And as fast as I could, it was seven months. Like, that's how long they wanted you to be there in their program.
1: Did you When you was. got sober, when you were in there, did you start kind of feeling better and, like, having a clearer head and everything like that? Or did you still have that, like, want for drugs and partying? I, I still had an itch. Okay.
0: I still – but I was going back and forth between, like, what do I actually want? I had no I started drawing in there which ultimately was helpful because it helped me get this apprenticeship and um, I had so much free time on my hands but I was staying sober and I was like maybe I could do this but I still I still had an itch to get aside from my like uh, to get high Mm (laughs) Um, I graduated high school there. They had a credit recovery program, so that was amazing. I didn't think I was going to graduate. I literally thought I was going to be a dropout. Um and I turned 18 in there. I finally graduated and I went to go live with my grandpa for a little bit. It was slow. Um, but I was getting high almost immediately after I got out. I um, had a little boo thing, and he was. This is like the year we were supposed to go to college, and he he was getting ready to go. Yeah, he was he was going to parties and shit, and I was jealous. I was like, I'm at home trying to be sober this shit sucks, so one night, I just decided, I met him at a party, he told me where he was going, and I was like, surprise, motherfucker, (laughs) like, I'm here, he was like, what are you doing, I was like, I'm trying to get drunk, and he was so against it, he was like, he's a good man, but I didn't want that at the time, I didn't want a good man, I wanted someone to treat me like shit, like, my whole Um, perception of what I deserved was so skewed. Like I really thought that I deserved a man that would treat me like, like shit. Mm -hmm. The first week I was there, actually, um, I went to, I told my therapist about what happened. And she was like, when did this happen? I was like, three days ago. (laughs) She was like, do you want to report it? Like, where did this happen? I was like, Brooklyn. She was like, Do you wanna tell your dad? I was like, no. She was like, Well, you kind of need to if you're gonna report it. I feel like I almost got pressured into reporting it. Like it was the right thing to do. Like I should have done that. Like I was I was again like playing into their game. Like also I wanted to get the hell out of there, and that would be a good excuse. Like to go back to Brooklyn. Like I could just run free. Mm -hmm. Like so I went I went to Brooklyn SVU and first of all, I had two males like interviewing me and at first I was like, oh, it's fine. like I have a good relationship with my dad. like I could talk to men easily, but at that time that was not that yeah. was not beneficial for me. Um, I don't think there were like trauma informed. I don't think they really had any training with. Um, I mean, you have to, as an SVU detective, like, what are you doing if you don't know how to talk to a victim or someone who's coming in to make a statement? They questioned me for hours. It was like 14 hours that I was in this tiny room and they showed me pictures of the men. They printed them out. They had like previous arrest records and they made me do a recorded voice call So I called the man and he had been texting me after I left his apartment. Do you wanna come work? Like, I'm trying to make some money with you. And I didn't know what the hell he was talking about. It just went right through my head. And they were like, he's trying to pimp you out. Like the detectives told me that. I was like, oh shit, maybe I should do it. I was like, this would be my out. Um, We did the recorded call and he basically just admitted that that's what he was trying to do like he was trying to he i asked him about that night he was like what are you talking about we were just having fun like like you're part of our shit now like this is what we do and i was like what the fuck?" but i had to talk back to him And they were writing down shit that I should say or questions that I should ask. They were like, you're doing so good. You're doing so... I was like, I'm literally talking to my fucking rapist, you assholes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, I don't want to be doing this shit. Um, Especially a week after it happened. I didn't have any time to process. I was still like... I just checked into a new facility. I was meeting different people. Like, I didn't know what the hell was going on. My mind was just scrambled um and I kept going back probably about 3 times and ultimately they were not convinced the DA's office was not convinced that they had a strong enough case they didn't have enough evidence I didn't get a rape kit um I really didn't think there was any point in getting a rape kit after they threw me in the shower and took my underwear and um there was nothing there and my story was inconsistent. I couldn't remember a lot of shit that was going on. I just had a lot of gaps in my story. They told me that I was like, I was so confused. I was like, we just got him trying to sell me like to his friends on voice, on audio. Like what more do you need to show that he's a dirty person? Like this is the kind of work that he's doing. Like you literally have that information and they said i um they made it very clear to me that they did not believe me these two detectives at brooklyn svu made it very i was like where the fuck is mariska hargitay like i was so pissed when it wasn't like law and order svu Mm -hmm. i was like what the hell is this like and I, I just, I thought it was my fault. Like I left there feeling depleted, like, like all the air was taken out of me, and, um, yeah, I continued to believe that it was my fault, mm-hmm. and nothing came out of that. They said maybe they could get him on the gun charge. I was like, all right, whatever.
1: So nothing happened with the case, basically. Nothing
0: happened. Okay. Nothing happened, and they. The worst part they made me sign they made me write a note to the DA's office basically saying that it was consensual the whole thing because they didn't have enough evidence so they wanted to um make it a false statement yeah. or like just erase the whole thing and not have it sitting in a file somewhere right. just so they could close it. Yeah. Lazy ass motherfuckers. I finished the 7 month program and was getting high was dating that guy we broke up i cheated on him i was not faithful i wasn't capable of being in a relationship at that time um i think a lot of the times i got into relationships with men was for protection and um especially in those kinds of environments mm-hmm. um and later on when I was going to like adult facilities I really needed that protection because there were men who were trying to take advantage of me I had men um offer me money to leave with them to like three different states I was I had a few people um who were looking out for me in those places like a mama bear this lady holly she was amazing she like really looked after me and she told him to fuck off she was like you're not leaving like with some random man like you don't have any of your clothes like mm-hmm. it didn't make sense and she told the staff and uh it was somewhat taken care of um I went back to Brooklyn after I got out of the program. And I was trying to find a job, but I didn't want to work. So I was like, what job can I work at, but not actually work? Like I could just be fucked up and sit behind the counter. I was like immediately smoke shop, like Mm -hmm. hell yeah. So, I went to a local smoke shop in Bay Ridge and I called first. So, I was like, Are y'all hiring? He was like, Yeah, sure, come in. And I came in and I talked to the guy. He was pretty young, maybe like late 20s, early 30s. And he was like, Yeah, you're hired. Like, come in tomorrow, I'll train you. I was like, Oh shit, that was easy. Meanwhile, I was dressed in, like, fucking cargo pants and a tiny ass top. Like, I was slutting myself out. I was trying mm-hmm. to, like, get the job. Like, yeah. this is what smoke shops look for. Like, someone to look pretty behind the counter. A lot of smoke shops um, do. A lot of stores do that. Like, just for the
1: Like, for the, the look, look of look. it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they think it'll sell the product.
0: Mm-hmm. Because a lot of the men going into that smoke shop were, like, old men. Mm-hmm. And you know what they want to see. They want to see some acid titties, like, right in front of their face. Like, mm-hmm. makes them buy something real quick. And he trained me. I started working for him. Um, My best friend, she was going to work there with me. And she was like, I don't know. It just doesn't, like, he, like, there's something off about him. Like, I don't really... She didn't really like him, and he Mm -hmm. was, like, interested in her, like, really wanted to pursue her, and a week in, I want to say, I was super high, and it was the end of my shift. He came in to, like, close it up and stuff, and he was the owner of the shop, the boss, and I was the only other person working there, so a lot of times, it was just me and him, like, fucking around, and... He was so chill at first. Like, he didn't give a fuck about anything. Like, I was just... And we were selling weed. My job was literally making pre-rolls. Like, twisting them up and packing them and scaling weed and putting it in little baggies. Like, I was a a drug dealer behind the fucking smoke shop. Like, Mm -hmm. he started... Probably a week into it, he started buying me alcohol and... Um, he started offering to, like, take me out, like, like, let's go out, like, I'll pay for everything, like, I'll drive you there. I think it was Halloween, uh, as I was, like, in this costume. We went to a strip club. I went to a strip club with my boss, and I was on Percocet, because he had some, and he put some in a water bottle and i was once again really fucked up didn't know where i was didn't know what the fuck was going on um and i got home at like six o'clock in the morning and my dad was like what the fuck were you doing i was like business trip <laughs> like what the fuck <laughs> um and a few days after that i was like bessie you gotta get over here like you gotta you got to come hang out with us they pay for everything like it's so awesome she was like all right i'll come out one time and she came to the smoke shop we closed up shop and we got in the car they had nice cars they had like porsche fucking escalade like Mm -hmm. tahoe random shit and um He was also my boss, so I was like, if I say no, like, is he gonna be mad? Like, I don't know. And we went out, we got in a car and the guy, I got in the passenger seat, my um, friend got in the back with the owner and in the driver's seat was like this weird, they made it very clear how they treated women. They didn't respect them they didn't know no moral compass when it came to women Mm -hmm. like it all flew out the window that night we were driving around and um i was on pills still and i was drinking again i was incoherent and we stopped somewhere like outside of a club and i just like couldn't really walk so uh, my friend was like, come, like, I'm taking an Uber home. She was like, dumb with this shit. She, the owner in the back seat was like, trying to get with her, and she was like, get the fuck off me. And I was in the front, like, screaming, dancing out my seat, shaking ass, like, in, out the window of the car, like, crazy. I, I turned into a demon. And she was not having it. So as soon as we got out of the car, she's like, I'm not even going inside. Like, there's, I'm going home. And she was like, get in the Uber. And um, I refused to go with her. I was like, no, I'm staying. I'm having fun. And the guys we were with were like, leave her alone. Like, let her stay. She's just having fun. Um, She ended up leaving. And... I know she feels really guilty about this, but I told her like that it was my decision to stay. Like you couldn't force me to get into a car and come home. Like that I was just gonna do what I was gonna do. Like none of the blame is on you. Um, But after we stopped, we got back in the car for some reason. They needed something. Uh, Next thing I remember, I was linked up with my arm to this man. I didn't know his name. He was just the one driving the car and we were walking through a big lobby. It was a hotel, like a nice one, but I remember waking up in the hotel and he was in the bathroom and I kind of like, I had a corset on and a dress underneath and it was all twisted and my dress was like, up above the corset on top and my fishnets, like the middle was ripped open and I was sore as fuck. I was like, oh fuck. I don't even remember leaving the hotel. I just got out somehow, got home somehow. Um, but I went back to the smoke shop the next day for work and I was high and i saw the driver come in and he was like what's up cousin the boss and i just like fucking froze i freaked out i had a panic attack i couldn't fucking breathe i couldn't move and that was the last time i ever went back to the shop i have (laughs) one of the five stages of sex trafficking luring grooming and gaming coercion manipulation exploitation and recruitment and this man was doing all those fucking things and i know he's done it with previous girls who worked at a smoke shop because there was a girl who came in and she was buying something and he was like she used to work for me she's a fucking bitch like i don't even know why she came back here like she was just stupid like she didn't want to hang out after work and I was like oh okay so you do this with other girls like you hired other girls and he knew exactly what he was doing like preying on younger females and there were a lot of young girls that came in the shop and he would just have them sit on his lap like behind the desk like give them free vapes free uh weed like whatever the fuck they wanted just to get some attention. Like he was an ugly man. Like he was unattractive and unpleasant as a as a man. Like I wouldn't fucking let him touch me with a 10 foot pole. I, after that, I freaked out and I was scared for my life once again. And I made the decision to go to Florida I dyed my hair about three times. I was like, I'm going to be a completely different person. And no one's going to recognize me. I'm going to change and be whatever the fuck. Um, I was back in and out of treatment. And I started getting into, I was in adult treatments now. So I was getting into relationships with these 30-year-old men that had no good intentions. I almost left a treatment. With this man that I really thought I had a connection with. I was like, the love of my life. Like, it's going to be amazing. But when you're in places like that, almost like jail, you find a distraction. Yeah. A lot of people find love, what they think is love. And they cling on to it because it's more entertaining than whatever is going on. And it gives you some sense of... um, Comfort. Comfort, yeah. I bounced around to a few treatments and I ended up at one and I was drunk going in and the girls were obviously sober trying to stay sober uh, adults women and they were sitting on the porch as soon as I walked in I was obviously drunk and um I don't even know how I got past like the people who brought me there who worked for the facility I was just silent I guess and I got upstairs to my room and the window was right above the front porch and it was open so I could like hear what they were talking about and I was unpacking my stuff and I heard that bitch is fucked up and I said, hold up because I was drunk and I, I act impulsively when I'm fucked up and I do things that I wouldn't normally do sober. And I put on my cargo pants. I like hiked them up. I was. I put my hair in a bun and I marched my ass downstairs <laughs> and I opened the door. I was like, which one of y'all is talking shit? I was like, I'd really like to know. And this short girl got up and she was like, me? <laughs> and we just were going back and forth for a little bit. And I remember I slapped her and then punched her and we just got into a physical fight and it was bad. Like my hair extensions were flown, flew, flown. I don't know. <laughs> and, um, uh, the place called the cops and they were like, you can either go back to detox or you can go to jail. And I started cursing at them. I was like, I was on the phone with like, I called like 15 different people. I was like, yo, I'm going to jail. Like, yo, I'm going, to, like fucked up. They were like, what are you talking about? What'd you do? I, was, I just hung up. I was like, just letting y'all know. Like, all of y'all. <laughs> like my mom, my dad, and my best friend. I just called them, said that very quickly and didn't give them any indication of what the fuck I did. Uh, or that I had the option to go back to detox or get arrested like who (laughs) I I just didn't want to be sober I was like there's no way in hell like I'd rather go to jail for one night than be back in detox where they're gonna tell me what to do tell me when to eat like, I was so sick of people telling me what the fuck to do. I hated authority to begin with, but I couldn't stand the fact that I had to listen to these people and I couldn't leave. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of the times in high school, a teacher would say something to me that I didn't like. I would storm out, walk out of the building, or walk out of the classroom. Like, I was very uh, non-confrontational. I would just run away a lot of the time. Um, I'd say now I'm more confrontational. Um I hold my tongue sometimes, but I stand up for myself more. So I got arrested. I actually met a friend in jail. Like we were in the drunk tank and there was this girl across from me and she was pretty and she looked pretty young. And I was like, why are you here? She was like, they thought I was drinking and driving but I'm not fucked up. I'm not fucked up. I was like, <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> I was like, me too, me too, me too. I'm not fucked up either. <laughs> and um, we got out and we went to brunch the next morning. I was so strange, but I, it just happened. Yeah. After I got arrested, I bounced around a little bit more from place to place, but I was doing. I wasn't getting kicked out of them. Mm-hmm. Um, How long ago was that? This was. Five months ago. Okay. When I finally decided I called my dad, and I'd been doing good in these programs. Um one of them was harm reduction. And that's where you come in and you you basically you can smoke weed and but you can't drink. And you can't do psychedelics and you can't do illicit drugs like that. But you can smoke weed in rehab. It's the weirdest thing. But that's what got me stable. I was like, I can't be in a place like this unless I have something. And I was just smoking weed all day, working my job. And I had a car. Like, things were going well. And um, I called my dad. I was like, I think I'm ready to come home. Like, i i'm done with this stuff like i'm tired of being taken advantage of by these random men like i was in some of these places one of the houses i was in was all men and i had a female roommate who was always gone at work so i was and i was unable to work for the time that i was there i was like homebound i Mm -hmm. house arrest basically And I was just surrounded by men, a whole house full of strange, drug addicted men. I was tired of being put in those situations. Yeah. I came home. I, um, I was like, I need, I need something. I need a career. I need to figure that out, because I was tired of like waitressing and um, doing these small little jobs, like not getting enough money. Like I want. I want a luxurious life. Like, I yeah. want to be – I want to be And in stable. general, I think,
1: too, like, you need to feel fulfilled. Yeah. And I think, like, finding something you're passionate about is one of those things. You know, like, if you don't know yourself and you don't know what you love to do and what you want to do, you're going to seek other things, you mm-hmm. know? So I think it's about finding the positive things that kind of fulfill you and make you feel like I'm doing something good and it's positive and it makes me feel good, you know?
0: yeah, I, I always knew singing was my thing. I love to sing and I love to perform, but I was like, that's not realistic for me. I don't see myself making very much money off that. I'm, I do it on the side now. I do open mics and that's I have good. fun and mm-hmm. I it's like a hobby. It. Yeah, it's a yeah. hobby. And, um, I turned my other hobby drawing into a career. I, In a few months, I'll be a fully certified tattoo artist Yeah, that's amazing. My goal is to open up a tattoo shop and be a millionaire. You'll
1: get there. Stay on your right path and keep your... (laughs) I would just say, like, because everything's still so fresh for you. And like I said, you are still so young. But that's a positive thing. Like, I feel like the fact that you have so much life ahead is like you have so much time to make like to hit all those goals and to do even more than that. And you don't even think you even realize that yet, but you will. Like I feel like you're still just in the beginning of your journey. Like you had all this stuff happen, but like I always say like I literally always say this, good or bad, even the worst things, you can always turn them into like a learning experience and something positive. And you like you can end up having the best life out of the worst things that happen to you
0: yeah and going back to what we were talking about earlier like it just is what it is like it's not gonna change and it's a part of
1: your history your past Mm -hmm. but that doesn't define who you are at any point in your life like what you did even yesterday doesn't have to be who you are today like you and you have full control of that in my opinion i don't care what anybody else says so that's my opinion with your opinion good you should (laughs) (laughs)
0: Oh, my God. So you've been
1: sober now for five months besides weed?
0: Yeah, I smoke weed. I drink a little bit. Mm -hmm. I'm not...
1: It's just more controlled now.
0: Yeah, and it's so strange because I've been... I've had this thought drilled into my head that it's either you're addicted to the heaviest drugs you've ever done or you're completely sober. And I was like, that's just not going to be... Like, I'm fucking 19. Mm -hmm. Like... I I don't
1: want to be. Like you want that balance.
0: Yeah, I wanted that balance for so long. I just couldn't do it. But I'm in a place right now where my head is good. I'm mentally stable. I have a rule where I don't drink or smoke weed when I'm sad. I only do it when I'm happy or mm-hmm. feeling like stable. Like yeah. whenever I'm sad, I don't. I try to process my emotions because that's the only way to do it. And if I get high instead of processing them, then I'm just back at square one. Yeah,
1: and I was going to say too, I think that taking all those drugs and drinking a bunch of alcohol, a lot of times that can be like a mask. Mm -hmm. And I feel like now is your time to find who you are and what you really like and what you enjoy outside of those things. And I think that throughout that process, as I'm sure you've seen – Unfortunately, you do have to face your demons and you do have to go to therapy and like sort through the negatives that happen because I feel like that's what's gonna like make you stronger and get you to a better place. But I don't know. I feel like now is your time to figure out like who you are today and what you love doing and what brings you happiness in a sober state.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cause I can,
1: cause everybody deserves to have something that they, like, really, really love and enjoy that isn't toxic. You know what I mean? Like, everybody has their flaws. Everybody in their lifetime does something bad, something negative, something toxic. But, like, we all deserve to experience, like, the joys of life. Just something that just makes us happy. Like, fuck everything else. Everyone else, everything else, just something that brings us happiness. You know? Yeah.
0: And I've, I've seen so much in my life already that I kind of – I don't want to see any more shit like that. Like, I know what I'm getting myself into when I see something that reminds me of uh, a dark path that Mm -hmm. I went down. So I'm very cautious of who I surround myself with and who I trust um, because I've given a lot of trust to a lot of people that shouldn't have have screwed me over. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of men like my my view on men right now is um, just be cautious because I mean, men as I was having this conversation with a friend the other day, men as a whole are not terrible people and shouldn't be looked down on because other men's actions like not all men are bad. Um, Just like not all women are bad, but some women do bad Mm -hmm. shit like It's just everyone's different. Yeah. Be aware. Yeah. Be aware. You did great. Good job. Seriously. Let's
1: go. And thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. I appreciate it.